Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 35. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, the bearer of microbrews, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. I actually got to play like a local paper Legacy event last week, and it was great. And you brought us some brews, too. I did. It, well, I missed Jerry's birthday, so I I brought some Treehouse and passed them out, and it was great. Is that what it's called, Treehouse, this thing? Yes. Yeah. It's, so the it's beer, sitting here. The beer is called uh, Somewhere Something, and it is a great stout. In fact, I have two of them that I'm going to I'm gonna be drinking during this cast right now. It doesn't have uh, nutrition facts on it. So hey, it's, it's I, not good for you. I wasn't sure if it went along with my carnivore diet. I'm sure that it does not. It's going to be on the shelf for a bit then. But okay. I look forward to it. Maybe maybe one day there will be a carnivore safe beer. As our buddy uh, Sugi Time suggested, I can just leave it under my mattress to keep it at a perfect temperature. <laughs> it's true. I actually had had a really good time hanging out. That was that was a that was a fun experience to have. Yes. Yeah, uh, so those of you who don't know from our Discord, uh, Sugi Time came up to visit us and leaving a legacy, playing the uh, gaming etc. F and M. He's from Arizona, I believe, and. He his Discord picture is interesting. He looks like a, an interesting guy, and he was an interesting guy, but in a different way. He was a very normal dude. I, I would be friends with honestly. And from his Discord picture, I thought he was going to be absolutely off the wall crazy. <laughs> no comment. No, no comment. I can confirm that he was normal. Um, yeah, and he's that's... also he's a master of penetration. Testing. I as, as soon as he started to say like what his job title was and I, I I guess I was the only immature person at the table so as soon as he said that he was a penetration tester I just like I lost my shit for a little bit I just started <laughs> laughing because that's a funny job title like I'm a penetration tester oh really <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can tell you all about it I'm sure and he brought his lock picks a plus Really enjoyed having them there. And it was a good night for you. You left with some store credit. A little bit. I got some sleeves. Uh, I'm going to dump on KMC because I got there and I bought brand new KMCs and I resleeved my deck. And by the time the tournament was over, I had broken 11 of them. So the corners were already ripped after shuffling them in one tournament. So I, uh, I think I'm going to switch brands. Yeah, we're only going to spend 30 seconds on this, but fuck KMC. I've been off that shit for a minute. Like, Dragon Shield's consistent. Love them. KMC's, it's like every batch is different. Who the fuck knows? This is my first time not using KMC. I got some uh, Ultra Pro Eclipse because I've heard good things about them, so we'll see how they go. Yeah, I use those for limited. They're good. Yeah, do you want to talk about like uh, what you played at the uh, FNM? Do you want to go into it at all? Yeah, well, I played the blue-white deck with a few changes that I made talking to some people over the last week. There was a blue-white Delver group chat with a bunch of really smart people. Harlan Fryer, the classic winner, Brian Koval, a well-known legacy vintage player, um, Bob. I think he was vintage champion. He I, he might have been vintage champion. He's, 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 won, he's won some things. Bob... And Min, 
and Max. And uh, if you haven't checked out their blog, I think it's minmax.com. They have some good articles up there. Some Just some pretty smart people who have all been playing the deck and talking about the differences between the two builds, the Flusterstorm Niv-Magus build and the sort of more J-centric Spellpierce build. And I kind of made a mashup of the two that plays all of the soft counter magic. Days, Spellpierce, Flusterstorm, and Spellsnare. And it worked out really well for me. I think I lost two games all night. Just play draw dependent. Those two games could have gone either way. Yeah, and that includes testing where you kicked my ass. I was testing Bant against Blue White. And yeah, Blue White's efficiency is just brutal. They can just bury you. And the you can basically just play off of all basics, which I think is the way to go with that deck. Exactly. And the it's super flexible. Post-board, you can be a control deck. You are... You have a very tempo-oriented game plan in game one, and you're backed up by way more soft counter magic than the other Delver decks. So I really like how the deck is. We'll see what our matchups are going to be in Syracuse, but I really like it against Chalice. I really like it against Control, and uh, the Grixis decks, even with Flusterstorm, can still be a little bit of a challenge, but they're, they're close to 50 so I, I haven't really seen the matchup that just rolls over this deck. I just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I think a lot of people are going to be on it for Syracuse. I've seen it a lot online. I've seen a lot of people talking about it. And like, what, half the field at the uh, at the tournament we were at was Blue White Delver. I think Jerry played against it three times. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I played against it twice. Uh, kind of two and a half times, because I played against like a Blue-White Spirits that was splashing for a Noble Hierarch. So I think they actually had Delvers in their deck, but it wasn't really the Blue-White Delver deck. But yeah, it's, it's certainly a popular deck right now. I think a lot of people realize that it has game against everything, which is something that's appealing, right? Like, you're, you're going to travel for this tournament. You don't want to whatever your bad matchup is, just face it two times in the first four rounds and you're just kind of fucked, right? Yeah, absolutely right. And I think the call might actually be just to just to sort of like bulk up and play straight blue-white Stoneblade. Yeah, th- that's where I'm at, bro. Yeah, the blue-white Delver deck definitely has a better matchup against combo. But if you're sort of expecting combo to be pressed out from all of the Delver decks that are coming in, then maybe just going one step higher and playing blue white stone blade maybe with supreme verdict main deck some extra planeswalkers that that could definitely be the way to go but i think right now i'm off of niv magus elemental as a card and i'm on to snapcaster mage i think that's just a better use of that spot in the deck but i'm i'm still on delvers because i just really like how that card plays out yeah, it's great. I mean, you can, on turn two, deploy a threat and leave up Pierce or Floster or whatever it is. Or even if you don't have it, bluff it, you know. But just to be able to deploy a one-mana threat, that's something that I've been testing a lot of like mid-range decks this, this past week. And you don't have that option, you know. Like, if you're going to tap out for a Strix or a Stoneforge on two, you know, you have Force of Wills, but otherwise you're naked. Whereas your deck has Dazes, it has Pierces, and, you know, Delver's just a better clock than, than a Strix, you know? Right. Plus, like, your your Delvers clear the way for your Stoneforges. So 
even if you're not able to go all in on your Delver plan and protect it with all of the soft counter magic, if you play your Delver on one and it gets removed, it's more likely that your Stoneforge is going to resolve and do work. Yeah, for sure. And then you also have how many true names in your deck now? I'm playing straight up four. So the the biggest difference other than Flusterstorm between the mid-range blue-white Delver build and the sort of aggro blue-white Delver build is the aggro build is running four true name, whereas the controlling sort of more mid-range build that still has Delver is running two true name, two Jace. And I think just getting getting a clock on early and establishing damage and then following it up with a true name to finish the game off is more effective than trying to resolve a Jace and protect it while brainstorming. I think just getting your opponent dead is a better game plan. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. After having played against that matchup in, in three different forms, uh, Orin, our friend Orin, he's actually been playing that deck for a while now, uh, was playing the Jace version. You were playing the the true name version, obviously. And then the, the other person I played against was playing the true name version, you know, no Jace, but they had a couple stifles in their deck, which was something I've messed around with. And it certainly got me because you just don't expect to see it from them anymore. Like all the consensus builds that I've seen people kick around have not been playing stifle. So I don't think that that's like a, a huge consideration, but it is something to watch out for. Yeah, I just, I don't know how that person sort of made room for it. I... I'm having trouble fitting everything that I want into it, and Stifle hasn't come close to being anything that I've wanted. I imagine they probably cut some true names. Is I don't know. Who knows? I didn't ask to see their list, but... Yep. It was it's something that came up in the Discord, too. Somebody posted a list, sent us a list with a couple Stifles in it. But you mentioned uh, Bob being in that chat. That's Bob Wong? Yes. So I just wanted to shout out real quick before we got on to the rest of our cast... I listened to the Everyday Eternal episode. I don't know if it came out this morning or I just saw it this morning, but I listened to it this morning, and it was fucking phenomenal. It, it was Bob and uh, they had Eric Landon on. I don't know if he's like a regular or a guest on there. I think he's a guest, but uh, they had like a back and forth about how they feel about the meta post-Deathrite Shaman, and I thought it was excellent. I felt like the the feelings that I had were articulated and picked up by one of the two in most cases and i think they did a great job of arguing the the different points and i really agree with the conclusion that there are a lot of decks that you could be playing right now that are are legitimate you know there's, there's upwards of 10 decks i would say that you could legitimately make the case that it's the best deck to play at syracuse so i would highly recommend that anybody listen to that cast if you haven't already yeah, I got to listen to it today too. It was it was excellent. They're really smart people that were talking. Yeah, and it was uh, sort of a I don't want to say like a debate or anything, but you know, a lot of head to head sort of uh, opposing viewpoints. And I feel like there a lot gets learned there. So yeah, uh, ten out of ten that that receives our Oscar. I don't know what what should we call them. Uh, they, they are the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga duet. We could call them the Abbeys, right? They get our Abbey, the Downton Abbey. Okay. Yeah. If we want to, uh, if we want to say that for yeah, sure. We'll give them the Abbey for best, uh, podcast episode, legacy genre. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> 
All right, cool, man. So this uh, this London Mulligan, I saw a fuck ton of people had like written, like Patrick Sullivan had written something about it. Uh, I don't know who else. A lot of people had written like think pieces about it. And I haven't actually read any of them because I imagine it's going to be the same thing repeated a lot because I've heard a lot of people sort of saying the same thing about it, which is that the A plus B decks and the degenerate combo decks are going to get stronger, but also you're going to have a better chance to find hate. And, you know, honestly, like a, a change that big, the, the first tournament isn't going to tell you anything. It's going to take a while for things to settle down with that proposed mulligan change. And I think that Legacy would look a lot different if that goes into effect, but I don't think it's anything that really is worth worrying about right now. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I think that we'll see how it goes with the Pro Tour. If they're going to institute it in Standard and Limited, then they're going to institute it in all of the other formats. And it has the potential to do some really serious things in Legacy and Vintage, but I don't know if they really care about that right now. Yeah, they're almost incentivized to wreck the formats, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really don't think it would wreck it. I think that it it definitely takes away from the blue base cantrip decks because consistency in hand selection is something that those decks have an advantage in. Absolutely. And with a sort of better mulligan for the decks that don't have access to Brainstorm and Ponder, it it kind of sets the Brainstorm Ponder decks back, especially when mulliganing gives you a Brainstorm at the beginning and Chalice decks are much more likely to find Chalice. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like that colorless brainstorm talk that we had a couple weeks ago. We didn't go like too deep into it, if you recall. But yep, I was just saying like I think what's interesting is if brainstorm costs Phyrexian or costs colorless, like what the format would look like. And this is basically that. You know what I mean? This is this is giving the high variance decks a brainstorm. Yeah, this is Oprah at the beginning of every game, standing up in the middle of the table and saying, "You get a brainstorm." And you get a brainstorm. Yep. And I'm not going to pretend that I have any idea about standard right now. I, I've, I'm as far from standard as I've ever been. But for limited, I think that this is great. This is something that I remember was kicked around back in 2015 when they changed the mulligan rule. And this was, in my opinion, the, the, the way to do it, the best case scenario. But that's strictly for limited. I think it would make you know, the number of non-games in limited go down drastically, but... Yeah, I, I actually think this is, would be great for limited and standard, which is why I'm worried that they're going to institute it. Now, they're testing it in a modern Pro Tour, so maybe that will give Vintage and Legacy a little bit of benefit. But, I, I mean, this is, this is a better mulligan for games where you're not, you're not playing a broken combo game, right? Yep. Or you're not trying to lock people out with prison elements, so in lower powered formats, this this definitely cuts down on the number of non-games and it probably feels much better mulliganing. So I, I feel like there's a chance this is adopted because of how good it is for arena or just limited and standard in general. So I think that if it does come to pass, there's going to have to be some sort of time period where people figure all of this out. Do the graveyard deck, graveyard based decks just get way better? 
Does the fact that your opponent can fight sideboard hate balance it out? Delay lines become a much bigger part of sideboarded games. And what happens to blue decks when chalice decks have access to chalice so much? So that's something that we'll figure out when it comes to it. But if I was sort of to give the thumbs up or thumbs down right now, I would I would give the thumbs down just based off of fear of what would happen. Yeah, for sure. And like we, we have these doomsday scenarios of, you know, black, red reanimator or whatever, just becoming tier zero and running everybody over. And that's that's legitimate, you know, or, or the Blood Moon decks, prison decks, whatever. But for like a Delver Mirror, or if you're talking about like Death and Taxes, Maverick, these kinds of decks playing each other, this this doesn't worry me at all, you know? Like if you're talking about two fair decks facing off, this is a better mulligan solution, you know? Like it it's not like this is this is necessarily doomsday in my opinion. But I, I think that the ban list might have to look a little different. So we'll see. I I agree. I completely agree. So pretty much I don't know. 75% of the conversation I would say in the Discord this past weekend was people asking you about Blue White Delver. I'm I'm locked into the deck for Syracuse for sure. And I haven't written my sideboard map yet because I have I'm st- I started it and there are like 18 cards that I want in it. So I'm writing the full sideboard map like I had my 18 cards and then I'm looking to see which ones are going to be more impactful. And there are some cards that might not make it, but that's that's sort of the process that I'm in right now. And I know Syracuse is this weekend, so I have to I have to turn that speed up a little bit, but I love this deck. I I don't love it as much as I love the four color stone blade. Like it wasn't it wasn't my baby. Yeah. But man, playing this deck, it just does great things. You have situational answers to whatever you need to face. The sideboard cards that you have out of white are outstanding. You can put on a quick clock, and you have resilient threats along with Stoneforge Mystic, which man, that's it's just a house against the Chalice decks. So I played against Blood Moon and I lost game one because I couldn't find my basic planes. And if I found my basic planes at any point, the game was just over. And I have two with a bunch of cantrips. And ended up beating it in games two and three. I beat Aggro Loam and Lands. And then Dredge. And I think I lost two games the whole night. One of them to Blood Moon. And then one of them to Lands in game one. Where I think I actually disrupted four Merit Lages. But... I, I didn't have a quick enough clock to actually get the life back that I was giving to my opponent. So Before decking or what? Uh, well, not before decking. I, I think that uh, they had Loam going with an exploration. Yeah. So I was able to like get a clock on and start to push, but only got them to, like I don't know, 10 or so, where I had to Swords a Merit Lage and then Waste a Merit Lage with the trigger on the stack and then Swords it again. So I think I ended up giving my opponent... Uh, actually, it was it was Suji time. I think I gave him forty life, and uh, and I just wasn't able to close. I probably should have conceded that game one way earlier, but I I lost game one and then got game two and three. 
Yeah, those lands games. Those are the ones that you got to worry about with uh, with getting unintentional draws. With like when when you have like a prolonged game, especially with like tabernacles out, and if they're porting you, those games where they where they can't seem to find an answer, or you've disrupted, you know, taken a couple of their depths from them. Those games can go forever. Yep, and since I know that he had a merit lage loop. I should have just scooped, but really I was just, I was playing it because I thought, Hey, if my opponent makes a mistake or I'm able to like cantrip into double wasteland and get an equipment on my true name, maybe I can actually close the gap. And you don't have Jace in your deck anymore. So yeah. Right. Right. The, the Jace was cut. He wasn't playing ghost quarters, right? I remember getting double ported. So I'm pretty sure that he was playing a play set of ports Maybe a one of Ghost Quarter, but what? Not a full playset. I haven't seen enough lands decks lately, but the ones that I have seen are running ports, and I'm not seeing Ghost Quarters. So maybe that's where they're at right now. Yeah, I think the consensus is port over Ghost Quarter, and I don't know when that switch happened. And again, I I have the lands cards, but I've never played it, so I don't know what the rationale was behind that switch or what the situations would be for it to go back. But I think most of the lands decks are on are on multiple ports rather than ghost quarters like it used to be. So did you break the tabernacle out of the out of the coffin? Nope. So the nine is still sitting in the coffin. I have it though. And my neighbor my neighbor has an English ungraded one that I'm sure that I could borrow if I ever really decided lands is what I want to play this tournament. It's just it's never happened. I've played Brainstorm for almost everything. There was a little bit of time where I thought Eldrazi was just really well positioned, and I played that. But I I played Brainstorm, Stoneforge, and True Name for a really long time. I don't I don't want to get too far away. Yeah, that's the thing. It feels so good, right? Just to sleeve up Stoneforge. I don't know what it is, but it's got me too. It's got me by the balls for sure. Yeah, I well, and True Name too, like. Man, the look of utter sadness that was in Jerry's eyes when I had true names in play was just it was <laughs> worth it was worth it. Yeah, for sure. He was he switched back to uh back to the Loam deck, right? For this FNM? He did. He played Titania against me and Chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> oh dude, I forgot about this. He was sitting next to me round one or two, maybe. And <laughs> he had a Titania in play, and he had two, uh, I don't know what it makes, wolves or something. Five, three, Caribous, well, whatever they are, they're fucking monsters. Juggernauts, yeah. And uh, th- he had them represented with, like, these Monopoly pieces or something. And his opponent swords one, and then his opponent swords the other. And then a couple turns later, he's like, oh, I wasn't able to swords those. You have a chalice. And he goes... No, you're fine. It's my responsibility to forget. <laughs> and I thought that was a great quote. <laughs> Not remember. That was, that was probably great. It's my responsibility to forget. So, yeah, that was that was my laugh of the night for sure. It, it, was, it was a long night for me otherwise. A long night of playing Blue-White Delver. And I actually dropped a match to Death and Taxes, which never really used to happen. When I was playing the Bantech, I used to love my matchup that in that regard. And that was, I think, the final straw that broke the camel's back. I just wasn't beating Blue-White Delver. 
And that match, so that person had main deck, Palace Jailer, and probably multiple after board. And it just did some serious work against me. That card can be really good, as I'm sure you know. I Yeah, that's the reason why I have one in my main deck. I, I'm i playing it over Jace. And most of that is because of I wanted to get a personal experience for it because Bob was really sort of touting it up in the group chat. Like, wow, Palace, Palace Jailer has been great for me. You need to try this card. And when I put it in the deck, it was it was just awesome. Like, it's more than a two-for-one. It's like a two-for-one, and then you get your own personal, personal howling mine because you have True Name Nemesis and your opponent doesn't. So even even if you have it in a matchup where your uh, the creature removal part of it doesn't matter, you're howling mining yourself for the rest of the game. It's crazy. So would you take it out against... Uh against like a true name mirror do you think it's a liability uh i think that depends like obviously you can get that sort of two for one value from it and in the true name mirror it kind of all revolves around true name anyway so i'm not sure if i would cite it out it would really depend on my map but i would be less likely to keep it if i knew that i was playing a four true name mirror yeah, that's the thing. I was surprised to see it post-board against me it, when I was playing against Death and Taxes because typically, you know, you're playing True Names. They know you're going to snag it back if you want it. But it still did work, you know, even though it was bouncing back and forth. Just them, you know, being able to go up a card, just like a true Howling Mine, right? It, it still was effective. So I was just curious if I should expect to be seeing it post-board in Syracuse. I mean, I, I'm i not sure what other decks other than Death and Taxes are playing it. They probably just thought about the removal side of it. And yeah. yeah. they probably thought that, all right, we're the go wide deck. So if my opponent is swinging with the true name, then that's removing it as a blocker. And I'm going to be able to chip in for more damage. So I'm, I don't know what my sideboard map would look like with the blue-white versus Bant. But I would, I would be more likely to move into the more controllish role. And I don't know if the Jailer would make it there. Yeah. So, yeah, just... Uh, I, I think I might have mentioned this earlier. Maybe not. I'm, I'm definitely off-bant for the uh, for Syracuse. It was, a, it was a brief fling. It lasted about a week where I had pretty decent results online, but not, nothing, nothing amazing. And just seeing how bad the blue-white matchup was really just scared me off the deck because like you were saying i expect in my sideboard map right now i have blue white delver at 10 percent, and i think that's a little high but i don't think it's a lot high i i definitely expect to see that deck in syracuse oh there's going to be a ton of it now 10 10 percent is probably going to be high but man like that deck is easy to put together and when you play it you're like wow this deck is powerful it's fun to play and you have a super stable mana base where you don't get any of those, oh, I guess I just lose this game. Like, you're not getting Blood Mooned and Frowning. You're getting Blood Mooned, you're like, thank God I have all these basics. You're not getting cheesed out by combo. You're like, I am a Flusterstorm, Spell Pierce, Snare, Daze, Force of Will deck that has a solid mid-range game plan with True Name and Stoneforge. It's... It's very solid. 
In fact, you were like, am I going to play blue-white in Syracuse? And I was like, all right, we made, we we pulled somebody else over to the side, but these these notes say maybe not. Yeah, I went home thinking, okay, am I going to play blue-white? Like, my whole car ride home, after I got off the phone with my wife, my wife is uh, doing interviews right now for her fellowship, so... Uh, we were we had a talk, uh, so I, I I'm sorry if I didn't say goodbye to you at F and M, but anyway. are are any of those places in Arizona? Could you <laughs> could you be moving moving closer to the penetration tester? I think it's more likely I'm going to be uh, moving closer to our mustachioed buddy Tom because one of them is in Calgary. So, oh shit! Yeah, man, I uh, got to get a winter jacket, I guess. Yeah, a winter jacket and oof. Bro, this I'm fucking sorry, wind buddy. today. You see this I'm wind sorry, today? I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was fucking insane. It was like the biggest wind I've ever seen in Boston. Yeah, and you're going to go to Calgary. Yeah. It's going to be like four or five times that. There's going to be cows blowing past you. Yeah, no joke. Moose. Tom, Tom was showing me one morning he had a break through a literal foot. Which is the same, I guess, in Canada and, and the U.S. It's twelve inches, a foot of ice for his cows to be able to drink. That's how much it froze overnight. Uh, one foot of ice. It was, uh, I believe, he said, minus thirty six, which Fahrenheit and Celsius intersect at minus forty, so it's basically the same thing. So, my, like minus thirty six Fahrenheit, if you can imagine that, which I can. No, I have never been that cold. <laughs> I do love the cold though, so bring it on. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't love that much cold. I love a little bit of cold, like enough to like, I don't know, make you feel like you're alive. But too much cold, give me a nice blanket and stick me indoors with some magic online. Yeah, well, that's the thing though. Like the you, you nailed it, I think, with the feeling like you're alive thing. Like I I kind of like it when my environment is like you're not supposed to be here. Like you have to. You really have to struggle to stay alive on a daily basis. Like that that kind of makes makes like your breakfast taste better, right? Okay. So why don't you play Bant in Syracuse then? Cuz I feel like that's sort of like the same feeling. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I <laughs> I really uh the, the worst feeling in Magic in my opinion is losing to Chalice and Blood Moon. I I just I came to to grips with that that I I kind of need to play a deck with at least four basics in it. Okay, yeah, I mean like every time I lose to Blood Moon or Chalice, yes, I feel disappointed, but I sort of understand that that's my fault. Like, yes, my opponent played Blood Moon or yes, my opponent played Chalice, but I chose to play a deck that loses to those cards if they resolve, or I chose to play a deck that has a high probability of losing to those cards when they resolve because I was just like the master of greedy as fuck mana bases. And I, I mean, that's a big pull to this blue white deck. The mana is tight. You can play six basics, six. I I played almost every game that, uh, that I've played either in the challenge and in the paper event that I played in, just like fetching Island Island Plains. Just yeah. you get three basics and everything in your deck works. Yeah, definitely. That That's huge. And 
it really feels good, you know. And so the deck that I've been testing the most is actually just Esper Stoneblade, which I say Esper, but the only black cards are Strix and Thoughtseize. So it's basically like a, a blue-white deck with a couple underground seas and a swamp. And I've really, I've actually been doing really well with it online. I got first match I played, I got absolutely fucking rolled by Miracles with main deck Pyroblast, which seems like a like a pretty abysmal matchup, pretty pretty unwinnable from my side. But after well, that, Miracles, Miracles period, even just the blue white AK version seems like it's probably not the best. Yeah, yeah, and I don't even really have a plan for that necessarily. I'm kind of hoping that people don't realize that it's pretty it's good still deck, a deck again. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there there are definitely people that are going to show up and play it. It will be in the top six or seven decks for sure. Yeah, th- no question. Just hopefully it's it's right around there at you know five percent or something like that, seven percent. So hope to dodge maybe, and you know if I have to fight it out, then I fight it out. I hope for the best. But yep. Out of the other top decks that I expect to see, I at least feel like I have a serviceable matchup. I at least feel like I have a chance. And yeah, I rattled off after that loss to Miracles. Uh, the rest of the two leagues I played was seven and two. So I had like a a 3-2 and a 4-1. And really liked it, learned a lot about the deck. I reached out to uh, Jeremy Tibbetts, who, I don't know if you heard this or saw this post, but he had his deck stolen in Worcester at that last event. I did not hear that. That's really unfortunate. It's fucking heartbreaking, right? Like, that was awful. I, I felt really bad. I had no idea that that happened, but... Yeah, so I was really sorry to hear that, but, uh, you know, he was always big on, you know, Esper Stoneblade and Blue-White Stoneblade decks, so I asked him kind of what, how he felt about it, you know, right right this moment, and if he would take a look at my list, got some great notes back from him, and feel like I made my deck a little bit better, I was playing a couple of questionable cards, and I'm off the... Uh, hate bears in the sideboard entirely which is kind of weird for me and the big thing i'm trying to figure out right now is wastelands like because there's two matchups where like utility wastelands i'm not trying to mana screw anybody i'm not playing dazes or anything but the eldrazi matchup where if they have cavern of souls and the show and tell matchups where if they have besage you and you don't have any way to interact with it without Wastelands, that can just invalidate so many cards in your deck, right? Like, against Eldrazi, like, what are you what are you forced of willing if you've taken care of their Chalice, but then they get a Cavern? Like, they're just going to cast Eldrazi, and these Force of Wills, and any other counter magic you have is just completely dead for the game. So, I feel like I, I, I need to play some number of Utility Wastelands. I'm trying to figure that out. But I'm pretty locked in on this deck like i i put the i put the cards in inner sleeves today so that's where i'm at okay not outer sleeves yet but just just the perfect fits yeah they're they're coming with me to syracuse as well as my old school deck by the way because our friend dominic who rented that house that we're staying in i believe you're staying in it right yeah oh this is gonna be a fucking shit show and i can't wait so who else is in the house? I don't even know. I I think Sean, our, our buddy Sean is, right? Yep. 
Me, you, Dom, Sean, Jerry, Justin, DJ. There, there are a few other people other than that, but those are the people who I 100% know. Nice. I think, I think our friend uh, Corey, Doubt Nabby Corey from our Patreon, is also going to be in too. Excellent. Yeah. So yeah, we can watch A Star Is Born. We can watch Downton Abbey. You guys Yo, can snuggle that, up with your popcorn fucking, and no blankets joke, man. and tissues. No joke, man. That movie, that movie was fucking good. Did it do a clean sweep last night at the? Uh, no, the, I think it just won best original song, and uh, and that was it. Dude, so this morning I heard that there's a, a movie called Green Book that won. I don't know if it won best picture or it won it, some. Yeah, it did. I haven't seen it apparently someone someone told me it's like uh like aragon walking through mordor or some shit like it's supposed to be like some lord of the ring shit did you hear this uh so i i saw i saw jerry made a post about something like that but the i went to i went to the movies on saturday and they actually have a token biography coming out as a movie really yeah and that's coming out soon it looked it looked okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that, I I definitely go see that. I want to see this Green Book now too. Oh, bro, did you watch True Detective? By the way. No, I haven't seen I haven't seen the third season. I will probably catch up with it, but I've been watching Umbrella Academy. Have you heard about this? No, but I heard the name, and it sounds like another down. And okay, so it's a Netflix only show. And I'm pretty sure it's made for like, for like preteen comic book like fans. But man, this show's fucking good. It's got a bunch of really good actors in it. It's got Ellen Page. I'm a pretty big fan. And the whole, the whole storyline so far has been great. So nobody ruin it for me because I'm only on episode three. But man, the show's great. So is it like a drama or is it a comedy or what? Uh, it's more of like a, like a comic book drama sort of thing. But it's not animated? It is not animated. No, it's live action. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll check that out. But yeah, True Detective season three. Like season one was obviously fucking fire. Yep. Season two, I made it to maybe episode three, I want to say, before I was like, all right, fuck this, I'm out. And season three is amazing now similar to season one the last episode it was it was like you know when you're doing your homework on the bus when you're young like you know oh fuck i forgot to do my homework you start like doing it on the bus you like do a good job on on problem one and problem two and then problem three you're doing it at homeroom and then problem four you just scribble some shit and hand it in (laughs) that was all right where's it where's this going that was fucking true detective season one and season three dude they fucking like the ending was just this like weird amalgamation like in season one like matthew mcconaughey absolutely fucking should have died there there was no reason to keep him alive if you're not gonna re-up then there's no point in keeping that character around it was a symbolic death it was a foreshadowed death and the fact that he stayed alive ruined the fucking series for me. He they they wanted to leave the door open for him to come back in a later season. Yeah, but there is no repeats. Like there's supposed to be a new cast every season, right? Right, but like if you can bring Matthew McConaughey back, you're going to. You're gonna write that in. Uh, yeah, I guess. I he was held aloft 
by a six-foot-four inbred Louisiana hick with a knife through his intestines, literally lifted off the ground by the knife through his intestines, touching his spine, and he lives after sitting there for hours. It's fucking bullshit. It, it really upset me. And season three, it wasn't that bad the last episode, but it was fucking a whole lot of nothing, really. It was like, okay, thanks for eliminating any mystery, leaving nothing to the imagination, just... Ugh, fucking bad taste in my mouth. But amazing season. You should definitely watch it. Okay. I just <laughs> I won't have high hopes for it. When I have time, I will go through it. My wife controls the TV remote and pretty like lately, she has been pretty on point with what we've been watching. So I thought your uh your son controlled it. That's why you had all the Sesame Street shit going on. Okay, well until he goes to bed at 7 30 <laughs> it is it's sesame street and actually his second favorite show or third the favorite Wire? show no 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 is <laughs> is this old house he loves it when like the the pbs cartoons end and it goes into this old house he's like fascinated by by people doing construction it's great is that with the the two brothers the twin brothers that do the no, that's like that's like house hunters or or that's that's a different channel this old house is used to have Bob Vila on it. They basically just do old work okay. or do work on old houses. Nice. Anyway. So anyway. You, got, you got a handyman in the making. Hopefully he, uh, he needs to make up for me having no ability whatsoever in that field. Bro. So I'm out on Saturday night with my uh, brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and wife. And I go to move my car into a driveway and I noticed that my headlight had gone out and I keep a spare headlight in my trunk, right? So while I move my car and I grab the headlight out of the trunk and I pop my hood and I flip in the new headlight and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I'm changing my headlight, you know? And these, these dudes, my brother-in-laws are like 30 and 31, I want to say. So whereas I'm not a millennial, they are, I guess. That would be the gap between us. And they're like, do I have spare headlights in my car? Is this something that I can do? I'm like, no, not unless you put them there. Like, so what? all that I'm saying is I think that your little boy will be in high demand as the only handyman in his generation. Yeah, I, I believe it because I can't do any of that. I, I can change my headlight if I have to, but I usually only do that a few weeks after <laughs> seeing that my headlight has been out and i really need to change it you know what i mean yeah i don't fuck with those cops man i i check my lights before taking off every time yeah when i'm driving to syracuse i am 100 percent staying in the middle lane <laughs> the whole time because dude if i get another one of those tickets the fine's like 300 dollars. yeah don't crazy. fuck with that don't fuck it's with crazy that. I got a, a reckless endangerment driving to Syracuse when I was 19 because I was going 86 in a 55. Like, I feel like they waited for me to, to hit 86 going downhill. Like, literally, I was going downhill on 87. <sighs> and just to get me 30 miles over and bang, nail me for the whole fucking shebang. The, the cops in New York do not like those out-of-state plays. Well, I got bagged, too. Yep. Press F. So... <laughs> yeah uh but yeah basically going back to playing blue white like the, the revelation that i had driving home 
just you know going the speed limit down roads with with no uh no lamps what are they called street lights street lights just these dark slow roads there's like country music you know crooning in the background softly banjos no 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 okay just like garth brooks like like really like a little little brad paisley something like that could be you know down on your luck shit like that deep country deep south shit so maybe some uh Oh, it's like Hank Williams Jr. maybe. And I'm like, you know, doing some soul searching. And what I realized is this tournament, this SCG Syracuse, people think that it starts Saturday at 10 a.m. Don't quote me on that. But for me, that tournament is right now. Because this is the part of, of Magic that, I'm actually like the most engaged. Like I remember you said to me uh, like a couple weeks ago, like since you started playing magic, you've never been bored. And that's how I feel. Like I, I feel like so electric this week because any downtime at all, I'm instantly back into my sideboard map. I'm instantly back into testing decks. Like this, you know, picking your exact 15 sideboard cards, picking your last couple main deck slots, for me it's 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 almost like more important than the tournament itself like i i feel like you know in actually playing out the games i've always made like dumb mistakes round one i i feel like that's that's like my my mo is to always make like a stupid mistake in the morning and then when i'm playing like big round big matches in round eight or nine I tend to fuck those up too like I, i i don't hold my attention long enough during the day i know like i need to work on that shit but I, I just don't trust myself playing like blue white mirrors against good players. I, I don't have enough reps with the deck. I don't feel like uh, I have the best like in-game mechanics or anything like that. So I feel like if I'm going to get an edge, it's in preparation. It's in sideboard planning. And, you know, just knowing myself, basically, that's that's sort of the thing that I do well, in my opinion. So I'm trying to get my edge right now. And it's like this tournament is going to be going all week for me, really. Yeah, I think that the biggest sort of level up that I made when I was playing Tournament Magic were not not the actual playing, but it was the how can you sort of have a full day where you're maximizing your attention? How can you tune everything else out and sort of sit down and just play and focus on making the best play that you can make in the given constraints that you're in and not sort of getting down depending on how you're doing and how to sort of battle back. I think mentality has a huge effect on how well you do in a tournament and it's just, it's, I don't know the, the thought of, I think that I'm going to make mistakes early and late like if that's your if that's your sort of uh leak i think that that's easier to fix than saying i i don't think i'm good enough to play certain mirrors all day you know what i mean like yeah. i feel like it's kind yeah. of a crutch yeah no and it, it's probably just like you know some lies i'm telling myself or whatever you know incomplete picture but i definitely hit a groove in tournaments and like playing playing football you might have heard this like you know, or 
is a popular thing in hockey too is and lacrosse is like your first shift you want to get hit or give a big hit or take a big hit you know just just get that out of your system so that your head's in the game like and you're not thinking about like your first hit you know just like get punched in the nose or punch them in the nose like just just get get dirty you know basically and that's yeah. a, that's kind of always how i felt about tournaments is like i have to make like a mistake before i hit my groove i don't know why it's fucking awful it's a it's a terrible way to think about it but it's so it's just been the case for me is like i don't get alert like i, I don't snap into focus until i've made a mistake and i get that like adrenaline pumping of like oh fuck what did i just do you know that like cold sweat that you kind of get that kind of like then that carries me through some good rounds so uh i, I definitely it's something i need to work on for this tournament i tried for columbus not sleeping at all the night before and just going in like is no it like, yeah no it didn't work it was awful. yeah i i can imagine yeah that that was a bad idea but i think all of the like maybe obviously this is just like me looking back on tournaments i've done really well on but i've noticed that the tournaments that i have that i've performed really well in for some reason i had to like walk a long way before the tournament and just getting my body like active and ready before i actually sit down to play a fucking card game just and ended up making my performance a lot better so now in the morning when i wake up before i play I actually try to get a little bit of walking in to like shake all of that groggy Airbnb drunken sleep off and get ready to do some work. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I like the I like the sound of that. There's another thing I've always avoided playing like matches in between rounds or anything like that because you know, you only have so much attention to give. So either you play sloppy magic in between rounds and then you start off your next round potentially leaking because your your mechanics have been sloppy or you know you just sort of run out of steam because you're you're playing all these extra matches throughout the day but maybe like playing a match before the tournament actually starts would be a good thing for me i don't know yep i think i think i would highly recommend that yeah i'm gonna give it a try this time so if any listeners want to volunteer to be a little sparring partner i would, I would appreciate that i'm sure i'm sure we'll have a bunch we could play some old school in the house so dominic messaged me today saying that he's uh he's got his first old school deck that's uh just about ready to go for syracuse and he wants to play some games so i'm looking forward to that and dj's in the house too he's an old school player yep so we're gonna fire it up maybe maybe you'll wet your toes that's not the expression what's the expression i'm looking for get get my feet wet yeah there you go well technically getting my feet wet my toes would be wet hopefully yeah there we go um so we we obviously had a challenge this week too and there were some interesting things that happened there sneak and show won it uh i don't i don't really know what to say other than jpa is a master yeah that trinity tell build that's fucking scary it's yep i mean it's it's the the same build that he played in the pro tour but i i can't i can't really recommend playing this deck in syracuse right no, but you can definitely lose to it. Okay, I mean, anybody, anybody can, you know? You like, you need to have a plan for it, but I feel like there's going to be too much Delver. And even though he beat Grixis Delver in the finals, I I don't 
really think that that deck is a positive Delver matchup. Uh, but he he got there, obviously. Yeah, certainly not a positive Grixis Delver matchup, I wouldn't think. Nope. And he also played <laughs> Grixis Delver in the semifinal, which is interesting. I just noticed. was it was it Delver or Phoenix? Ch- was Shark Attack? Sorry. Uh, Shark Attack was uh, Phoenix. You're Eldrazi. Right. Oh my bad. Yes, you're right. Yeah, uh, Shark Attack was on Eldrazi post. That makes more sense, yeah. Yep, and the other top four deck was uh, was Grixis Phoenix. Yep, yeah, I, I missed that. So, Which I think is going to be like the... I think Blue White Delver is going to be the new deck that people pick up the most. And I think Phoenix is going to be the deck that people pick up the second. I think you're going to see quite a bit of it. It is also powerful. I just I'm way more comfortable with a blue white build than the um, than the Phoenix deck. One of the things that's comforting to me about the Phoenix deck is there's obviously a, a couple people, I believe Eric Land is one of them, who are playing this deck very well online, right? They've been playing it for for weeks now, and it, it's literally I think Callum's another one I believe who picked it up, but nobody's been playing this deck for for terribly long, right? So. If you're not like a stone cold, you know, just master of magic, or you're really grinding the deck online, like how many reps can these Phoenix players really have, and how comfortable can they be with their sideboard plans, right? So as opposed to to blue white Delver, where I feel like a lot of people have played with a lot of these cards before, I, I feel like uh, there there's a lot of opportunities for the Grixis Phoenix pilots to make mistakes. It's true, and I think a lot of those people are playing online. You're seeing a ton of it if you boot up a league. I think I've played against it three times in 15 matches. And I know, obviously, that's a a small sample size, but but it has been there. Oh, yeah, it's definitely all over the place online. And part of that's because, you know, it's easy to get cards online. Uh, the, The cards are much more permeable. And people want to try out new stuff, right? But, uh... I guess, you know what, I take that back because a lot of people have Grixis cards, whether they're Grixis Delver, Grixis Control players, like maybe a lot of the Grixis Control players is audible into Phoenix, you know? Yeah, it's literally the only cards that you don't see are Bob, which everybody has, and Buried Alive. Yep. Everything else is sort of just standard. Like, obviously, Grixis Control isn't playing Dark Ritual, but those aren't terribly expensive to pick up. Uh, everything else is just straight from, straight from their their wheelhouse. Yeah, you're, that's right. It's not like Black Red Reanimator or something crazy like that. So yeah, all right. I I I guess I should be expecting more of it than I am. Yeah, I think Graftigger's Graftigger's Cage gets real good. So just don't don't underestimate the permanent base sideboard hate, um, the permanent base graveyard hate. So rest in peace, Graftigger's Cage. Make sure that you have a plan. So is that your your weapon of choice, Grafdigger's Cage, you think? Well, so I'm in... The Graveyard Hate that I played on Friday were Surgicals, because I had two main deck Snapcasters. And I actually... I didn't, I didn't really mind having them. But there were a few times where I really wished that I had a permanent that I could slam. Especially against Dredge, obviously. But I, I managed with the surgicals, but I think that I think I'm gonna split. 
uh, my graveyard hate between Surgical Cage and Rest in Peace. Even though I'm playing the Snapcaster Mages, I think that Cage is a lot more flexible. Because it doesn't just hit graveyard-based stuff. There, there are a lot of other things that you can bring Cage in for. Like Green Sun Zenith matchups and, and whatever. So here's a question uh, for Ant, right? If you're playing, yeah. if you're playing, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about playing two Snapcasters. I don't know how many you have, but mm-hmm. if you're playing a Snapcaster deck, would you bring Cage in against Ant? Yeah, because it shuts off one whole side of their line. Like they can't play the grindy blasting station variant where they uh, cantrip, discard you, cantrip, discard you, and then get a past in flames in the graveyard and wait to go off on turn five or six with it you know what i mean yeah well so that's why you bring in cage traditionally against them but i've never been on a snapcaster deck and asking that question and i was actually in this situation yesterday playing a league where i was like man they don't have to go through the graveyard i don't want to shut my snapcasters off you know if, if they're not going through the graveyard like right if, well then you don't you don't have to cast it but the right. thing is over the course of those long games you you lose when you get your resources overwhelmed by their discard and as the game goes longer their graveyard becomes a bigger and bigger resource eventually you want to say all right i want to use my snapcasters aggressively and then drop this cage and then just shut that line off for them and then take it from there because once their once their hand ends up being two three cards and you're playing that off the top game yeah right then cage just gets so much better yeah, that's true. I, I, I guess that's that's a good point. You don't have to deploy cage just because you can. So yeah, I think I, I. First of all, I think I'm playing cage, and second of all, I think I would still bring it in then. Yep. Even even though I have snapcasters, I definitely want a cage. So that was something I didn't have on Friday. That is definitely coming in. Yeah, I'm not gonna play rest in peace, and I, I don't know about containment priest either anymore. It is probably good against Phoenix, right? I mean, not great because you can bolt it. Well, I mean, even though we're talking about what decks we expect to be popular, you are still going to see the decks that Containment Priest is good against, right? Like Sneaking Show, Reanimator, Dredge, whatever. It, it is a flexible card. And you can you can play it against Death and Taxes and Maverick and any vile deck yeah vile decks i think because because all those first decks you listed cage is just probably better against though right because it comes down turn earlier but, but i yeah. mean you can you can do both and it diversifies right your hate it gives you twice as much and it's different type right yeah if i'm gonna play another graveyard slot though it's gonna be at the expense of a surgical so that's what i'm wondering about all right but I do love having it against Vile Dex. It is great there, and against Elves, obviously. It shuts down... Uh... Natural Order. Yep. yep. And, and Dryad Arbor, For if anybody isn't aware. If they just put a Dryad Arbor in play when you have a Containment Priest out, that shit's exiled. So keep that in mind. Oh, even if they don't fetch for it, if it's straight from the hand, it's just poof. It's yeah, gone. a lot of a lot of even elves pilots, not good ones, I'm sure, but people who are just you know picking up the deck or whatever, or probably a lot of times it's just absent-mindedly. You know, you just play your dryad arbor. Yeah. And nope, 
exiled. Yep, that's uh, it's a true story. Uh, yeah, I was unhappy to see that an Esper Blade deck made top eight of this challenge because I was kind of hoping to be totally under the radar on that this deck might be a reasonable choice. But yeah, well, I mean, I think everybody understands that if blue white delver grixis delver whatever delver deck is sort of rising to the top right now you can kind of go over that by playing a bigger stone blade deck and i don't know if the mana base of this deck is really what you want to be doing like there's a basic island a basic plains a basic swamp but i i like how clean the blue white deck is dude the four wastelands you're like the 24 lands with four wastelands in this this esper deck i was like Whoa. man like that's a lot of land that is i was flooding with 21 lands and two wastelands i was i felt like i was flooding so it's interesting man yeah and this isn't obviously it's a it's an esper stone blade deck it's not a tempo deck you are nickel and diming your way there the whole time and you don't have any draws with this deck where you just like cheese your opponent and you're like i'm definitely going to win you you need to fade quite a bit from your opponent off the top for this deck to to fully function. Absolutely. That's and you know, when you hit runner runner land in the mid game, that can just be the end. It's not it's not playing catch up all that well. And there's no there's not even like a oh no, there's two toxic deluge. I was gonna say there's no verdicts in this seventy five. But there are two deluges, which is interesting. It's not something that you really see too much anymore. So I I just got a notification from my friend Mike. And he has an article up on Channel Fireball right now. Sweet. What What's a legacy article? No, uh, Grixis Death Shadow. Oh, oh Mike Rap. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So everybody check that out. Holy shit, he's on fucking Channel Fireball. <laughs> i gotta see this now did they use yeah. his uh his twitter picture yeah i mean it might be it might be his twitter picture now i just i just got the update good for him yeah that's pretty sweet bro anyway sorry i i had to i had to give him a shout out because i literally just got that message rock and roll very nice well done okay so what else in the challenge we had stone blade stone blade stone blade yeah a lot of stone blade, a lot of blue white blade. Miracles. Blue white red miracles. Two of uh well two blue white reds and a blue white in the nine through sixteen spots. Like we said, coming back, obviously. And two moon stompy decks too in the top sixteen. So this this top sixteen is scaring me, man. How is it scaring you? Just just the, the number of Miracles decks, really. Okay, like uh, from the Esper Stoneblade side? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just and I mean, much. your Blood Moon matchup probably isn't the best either, right? Like, it's not terrible, but you're not running enough basics to where you can be fully comfortable that you're going to be able to cast your spells. So I'm playing three Disenchants in the sideboard, and I have nine looks at a turn one planes, I guess. So okay. Or, so it's it's not it's not good and it's not bad, you know. It's it's like I I would I would call it moderately uncomfortable. I don't know. 
it's not anywhere near as bad as Bant was, but obviously I would hope to fade it. I'm not going to be happy sitting down against it, but would much rather see uh, creature decks. Well, I mean, traditional creature decks. Yeah, like just play Delver all day long. It is funny though, because like one of my considerations now when I'm building decks is like ha- having twos and threes as opposed to ones just to beat chalice in like those those natural games right like the the games where they stick a chalice and you don't have an answer maybe it's game one two you know uh like a pre-board game and you can just climb over the chalice and throw your ponders away to your force of wills and and just get there and that's actually like a consideration building decks now because there's like the angle you can go where you're playing a lot of basics and then there's the angle or i'm sorry playing a like stuff like abrupt decay where you can just break out of the chalice or play like a card like a braid but then there's the angle where you're just like all right fine chalice on one you know let's do this yep i like that i like having the choice where you look at your hand and you're like i can get there with this hand even with that chalice in play and my opponent most likely kept this hand off of the strength of chalice and my leftover cards are going to beat their leftover cards. Yeah, there's nothing better, too, when they cast off a City of Traders or something like that. Because then you're just like, yeah, let's do this. Yep. <laughs> let's, let's roll. Absolutely. But, yeah, that that's like a consideration. And I feel like that's a symptom of Chalice eclipsing that, like, uh, that mark where you're like, okay, this is a deck I hope to fade, where it becomes a deck that you can't really realistically hope to fade you're going to see it so you have to like have a strong plan for it and i feel like that's that's kind of like the meta adapting and that's a lot of what you see here too is decks that can climb the curve like a lot of the trends with regard to grixis delver and i think our friend lawrence has played a certain role in this is this move to like dark confidant and these decks are are going up the curve more you know you you see like four delvers and like a grim lava mancer instead of fucking around with shit like like Terramander or some of the stuff that you were seeing people experimenting with the past couple weeks. Like, just playing uh, a version of, of Grixis Delver that can climb the curve. Yep. And I think Grixis Delver is just more of a mid-range deck now anyway. So I I sort of... I sort of think that's where everybody is kind of going. Yeah, and as far as like its threat distribution... You know, it doesn't have Death Rite Shaman anymore, so it, it kind of was forced to do this, but it, it looks more like your blue-white Stoneblade deck if you were to lay it out in terms of the mana curve. You know, it's not Yeah, it's like... got it's got the one, two, three, and yep. then even seven. Yeah. So you have your your Delvers, which they share, they have Young Pyromancer, you have Stoneforge Mystic. You both have true names, even though the blue white decks have more. And Grixis has Bitter Blossom and uh Gurmag Angler. Yeah. So the obviously the chalice hurts the Grixis deck a little bit more, but the threats work out work out fine for them up the curve. Yeah, it's interesting just to see it sort of turn into that. And are both of the yeah, both of the Grixis Delver decks in this top eight have Stifle in them. I mean like I like Stifle. Stifle's a good card. Uh I understand that they might be a little bit more reliant on their mana denial plan, but I I think that the better versions of Grixis probably don't play Stifle right now, and I'm open to be wrong about that, but I just don't like it. 
Okay. Yeah, I I haven't played any matches with Greg Kostelver in months now, so I don't have a strong feeling about it. But if we're gonna see a top eight like this with like miracles returning and all these all these sort of mid-rangeier blue decks that are actually a little bigger than this deck, then it kind of makes sense why they did well in this top 16, I guess, in this winner's metagame, why these decks would have risen rather than the other Greg Kostelver decks on this particular day. But yeah, I can't say that I have the reps to, to comment on how good Stifle might be right now. And wow, this sixth place deck is actually playing four of them, so. Yeah, I just, I feel like the the spots that those take end up being Bitter Blossom. And I think Bitter Blossom ends up being a very important threat in the meta that you're seeing right now, especially against things like Depths. But this, this sixth place Grixis Delver deck has three Bob in it, uh, along with the rest of their threat package. So there there were no Bitter Blossoms main deck in either of the Stifle lists. It and seemed, I'm not sure if I like that. It seems like the spot that it's taken though too is is the discard, like the the two or two three, or three thought seas or in, Inquisition. Exactly. Yep. That you typically see in the main deck. Like there's none in these decks. So it seems like, you know, you cut a couple of thought seasons on a bitter blossom and play these stifles. Yep. And um, I think that if I was leaving up this deck, I'd, I'd probably want the discard and bitter blossom, but obviously stifle is performing well. So I'm open to be wrong. I wonder if you can play like three bobs and, and uh, one or two bitter blossoms, or you think that becomes a liability at some point? I think you probably have to choose between those two. You think you gotta go to inquisition at that point? Uh, not even Inquisition. I think that Bob and Bitter Blossom is probably too painful. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I I just said the wrong thing. But yes, yep. Oh, I think that I think that you are probably okay with Bob and Thoughtseize. Yep. But you're not okay with Bob and Bitter Blossom. Yeah, I guess those are the the three concerns. Then I was only thinking about Bob and Thoughtseize. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe people will show up with that deck. It's certainly, like, as as a Grixis Delver player who's not playing Stifle, you gotta love to see this, right? Like, like the equity you get out of two lists in the top eight of the challenge the week before the SUG playing Stifle. It's just, like, everybody has to fucking worry about you having Stifle now. You don't even have to fucking play it. That's true. So, yeah, fuck you guys, lucky bastards. <laughs> Well, I the rich get richer. Yeah, I mean, I think that Grixis is Grixis Delver is a very good choice for Syracuse. Yeah, I am playing blue white because I'm, I feel like I'm most experienced with that play style, and we'll see how it goes. I can't wait to talk about it next week where we talk about our matchups and how things went. But I am sold on blue white. It's getting sleeved up and in our Discord. I will make sure that that sideboard map goes out before the end of the week. I'd also like to thank a few new patrons we had. We had Michael Mapson sign up. We had Jason Aldrich increase their pledge. So thank you for that. And Ben LaCoyer. Yeah, Ben, thank you. Thank you for signing up as a new patron. If I butchered your French pronounced last name, uh, blame, blame me for taking high school Spanish. So, uh, so Ben, thank you. So if people want to uh, get in touch with you 
uh, before the tournament because I know that you're going to have ample time to answer any and all questions. How should they do that? You can get in touch with me at tsmileymtg on Twitter, the cast at Dead Format Cast. You can message me on our Discord, or you can message me on Facebook. You can uh, you can find me there too. Excellent. And where can people get in touch with you if they want to tell you, don't play Esper? <laughs> they can. Uh... They can shove the... No. So, <laughs> you can definitely send me a message. You should put something like attention urgent to try to get my attention. Because uh, this is a crazy week with work and stuff for me. Like, I'm just... I'm racing towards a red light with this tournament, man. I'm, I'm just fucking balls to the wall. Well, that's that's real life, right? Yeah, I had like something crazy like 80 alerts when we started recording and i just like put down my phone like silence like way too many apps with way too many alerts for for me to deal with right now so it's just like overwhelming but it's great like you know tournament week that's that's what real life is like 